Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup. I am your host today, Pam Marvin, and joining me is Deacon Mike Mbove. Good morning, Deacon Mike. Good morning, Pam. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing really, really well. I am glad to hear that. But you're doing awesome. When you came in, you said, I am awesome, spectacular, fabulous. Well, it is the Feast of the Assumption. It is the Feast of the Assumption, and I have to say... I think God is so kind and gentle to us um, to have the Blessed Mother so very close to us on a day today, like today, after so much is bad in the news yesterday. So our mother is there to comfort us. And I just want to encourage our listeners um, with everything that is in the news going on um, that's coming to light through the church, that we reach out to our priest friends. Our dear priests, because you know if we're hurting, they're hurting all the more. So reach out to them today and tell them you love them and how much they mean to you and how thankful you are for their vocation. I think that's a wonderful sentiment. And I think since we're celebrating the Feast of the Assumption and so much of the theology behind the Feast of the Assumption is that recognition that we are called to holiness, that we are called to go to heaven. And um, especially at times like this, when we are inundated with evidence that that's not always happening. Even people that we expect to be working towards holiness stumble and fall. It's a reminder that we need to persevere. We need to work on our own lives. That's so true, Deacon, and I'm so glad we have an opportunity to kind of talk about um, this and, and frame it in a way that's kind of getting back to basics, I think, that we really need to do. And part of that is um, the Catholic Church is a very Christocentric and Eucharistic-centered faith, and that is still there. That is very solid. That is profound and forever, as Christ has, has told us. And um, I often make arguments. I have a family member who... Um, is no longer a practicing Catholic because of the scandal from several years ago, right? I mean, the, the one in two, 2000, was it? Um, 2002, mm. Thaddeus corrects me. Okay, so from 2002, and, and what struck me as I've observed this person, has she's not gone back to um, Mass, is that how do you go without Jesus in the Eucharist? How do you survive without that? You know, that for me, that is the heart as a convert. That is the heart of my Catholic faith. It's very Christocentric and Eucharistic um, centered. And I I couldn't still be more thrilled to be able to go receive Holy Communion each and every day when God allows it. I think one of the things is that we don't reflect on what we're receiving, who we're receiving when we go to the Eucharist. Sure. And I think... One of the beautiful things that we do in our parish is Father insists there's silence after communion to allow us time to reflect rather than finishing off the last hymn, silence, so we can mm-hmm. reflect on what it is that happened when we went up there. 
And for me, that's always an opportunity to say a prayer. And for me, it's always the same prayer. It's Almighty and ever-living God, in your infinite mercy, you have allowed me to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved right. Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Beautiful. that same mercy, allow me to become more like him who I have received, so that when others see me, they see not me, but he who sent me. Oh, amen. Amen. Well, another beautiful thing I, I saw this week, or I was listening to, um, you know, some of the mystics and so forth that you hear a lot. It's not, this is not a, it's just a, not a teaching, so to speak, but it was a, just a beautiful imagery for me that um, just imagined uh, this person who had a, um, a death experience, like a near death. Well, they did die, came back, that said that the people in heaven shone the brightest who had received Jesus in the Eucharist the most. What a vision, you know, to, to, to imagine that their soul is just so extraordinarily illuminated by every single Eucharist that, that we've received. And, and that's just a beautiful image to me, knowing that Jesus builds us and stays within us and um, cell upon cell is n- nurtured by Christ. And again, that's such a beautiful reminder that the Eucharist is the one meal we receive where what we receive doesn't become part of us. Right. We become part of what we receive. And so that image of people shining brighter because they're more like Jesus. That's right. They have received him more. Well, I think an important thing to distinguish, too, is like for this this family member of mine who's left the church is that she can't um, separate the men from the Eucharist. She, she has it like too intertwined, like the people of the church with the Eucharist, which are very, very separate, in my opinion. Well, yes, uh, the church is the body of Christ. It is made up of sometimes fallible parts, sometimes the fingernails of the body that need to be clipped off. Yes, right. (laughs) But it is ultimately a notion that there's nothing we can do to make Jesus less holy. That's so true. It is only our own. So I ask you, how to the people listening today, how great is your faith? Do you believe in Jesus and the in the Eucharist, fully present, fully alive. Do you believe that? I do. I don't see how you can be Catholic and not, and not believe, believe that. Well, you know, but Deacon, I have to say that I think every person, if they're intellectually honest, will struggle with that. Um, I'm sure you've seen it during your RCI formations. I know I did, and I, I desired to believe it, but it, it wasn't something that just comes overnight. I mean, that's really a grace if it is, but... It took me a while. I had to really contemplate and uh, and desire to believe it fully. But that goes back to that little prayer that we say to ourselves at the elevation after the consecration. Lord, I believe. Mm. Help my unbelief. Amen to because that. Because all of us struggle with that. All of us at some moment go, is that really possible? Mm. And then we have to remind ourselves that for God... Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Amen to that. So hope, people, let's just think of uh, ways to encourage our priests and religious friends, encourage one another that we are the body of Christ. I think now in um, the wisdom that the laity, more than ever, play a very important role, um, just being very authentic 
Um, and we'll get to this later in the second half of the show, but uh, if you want to, to do well for the world and for your church, go and love Jesus with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and become a bright beacon of light to all those that you encounter for Jesus. And I think this is a sobering reminder to all of us that for some people, we may be the only image of the Catholic Church that they see today. And how good a job are we doing of showing what the church truly is? Mm, amen to that. Yes. Well, any indication? Today I went to the 815 Mass over at St. Joseph's. Thank you, Father Steve. He did a great job. It was his first back-to-school Mass with all the kiddos there. It was quite beautiful and precious, talking about the Assumption. But it was packed. I mean, packed. So that was beautiful to see, too. Yes, it's always wonderful when you have a full church on a midweek holy day of obligation. Right, folks. So no excuses today. It is Assumption. Go and contemplate Mary's dormition and being received and assumed into heaven. I think it's so beautiful. Um, one of the decades of the rosary to contemplate that Assumption. Just so pure that she couldn't have died because that's when sin enters in that makes the flesh die. But that didn't really happen with her. Do no, you think this she really is, aged even? I don't think it really matters. <laughs> I think you're right. What about you, Thaddeus? You're over here listening quietly today. What about Assumption? Did, did Mary age? Uh, I have no idea. I haven't even contemplated that that thought before, Pam. But that's, really? that's an interesting question. Oh, well, I've contemplated a little bit. I don't think she aged very quickly. I think she stayed pretty pure because, you know, isn't that when sin entered in is when we began to grow older and degenerate. So that means she probably stayed just lovely and beautiful. And, of course, my mother always told us the reason she aged is because of her kids. (laughs) So Jesus was perfect. So, see? Yeah. What a beautiful, I mean, I love thinking about Blessed Mother. Whenever I'm going through um, difficult times of sorrow, I I reflect on her, again, uh, being the sorrowful mother. And I just want to uh, do a reminder. This is actually from Kimberly Hahn's Sorrowful Mother Lighthouse CD. So that she said, um, while Mary was watching the entire passion, she was there. She, She walked with him. She was feeling so much of what he was feeling in her body, very distressed, extremely horrible. Her son was being tortured. She was in excruciating pain watching what was going on. But deep in the depths of her heart, Mary had peace. She had peace in her heart. And I, I tell you know, some of the ladies that I talk to, it's like, well, how can you possibly have peace? You're watching your son being tortured. But there's a reason. She had perfect trust perfect trust in the Father's plan. And so I think today we need to to all contemplate Mary's perfect trust in the Father's plan. We can't see it. We don't know it. But we like to think we can give our unconditional yes to him and that perfect yes. So she was deeply sorrowful, but she had deep peace as well. So let's try and imitate her today on this Feast of the Assumption. Very good uh, sentiments there. I think that She's probably not real happy with the body of Christ that she sees at the moment. And Broken-hearted, so, yeah. Again, but sh- that trust is always there because she knows that the victory has already been won. Already been won. That's why he came to save us all. But you, know, you two guys were talking about Father Casey's homily before the show started, but I didn't really get to hear it. 
so Deacon, were you one wanted to speak about it? Well, uh, I was just listening to Red Sea Radio, <laughs> and uh, Patrick Madrid had a homily by Father Casey on, and I believe Dennis is posting it uh, on our website. Uh, so if you missed it on the show, shame on you. Um, go ahead and uh, go on the website and listen to it. He does an absolutely wonderful job of putting some of the things that we hear into perspective and the notion that um, the church is constantly called to renewal. The church is constantly called to fix the things that are broken and re model itself after the image of Christ that it is intended to be. Renew. Renew. And so um, I liked one of the comments that was made is that, you know, usually when you have a football team uh, losing every game or baseball team losing every game, the manager or the coach will go in the locker room and say, well, we're having a rebuilding year. Well, maybe we're having a rebuilding year in the Catholic Church. And the people that need to do the rebuilding are us. We need to change ourselves the if laity. the church is going to change the laity. How do we mm-hmm. respond to the teachings of the church? How do we live out what the church is intended to be? Amen. Because the church is only what we are. How great is your faith? I ask everyone listening today, what does that mean? Contemplate that today. Do you believe? When's the last time you were at Mass, hopefully today? Get to Mass today. Get to confession this week. Return to the sacraments. Get back to basics. And it's always, do we trust that the church is guided by the Holy Spirit? Do we trust that at the core, in spite of the fallibilities of the human beings involved, is the church itself heading in the direction it is intended to head, guided by the Holy Spirit. And for me, that answer is always a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. Because if I look at the history of the church, this is not the first scandal the church has had. This is not the second scandal the church has had. And yet every time in that scandal, you can identify the path the church was taking and the path that the human beings in the church were taking. And when they diverge, we have a problem. But the Mm -hmm. church itself has never deviated from the path of guiding the faithful closer to Jesus. So I heard a kind of a comparison, um, a correlation, and I thought I, I want to mention too. Okay, so you you know we just came out of the year of Fatima, and Our Lady said a lot of things like that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you scholars on Fatima. Um, but this is kind of um, a, an age where lots of evil is becoming to light, Let's just roll it back from well over a year ago when we started seeing, you know, for the first time, Hollywood kind of waking up and and turning its own people in for their horrible things that they had done. So there's a new light that Christ is allowing. It's almost as if the light's being turned on and the cockroaches are scattering because we're we're a dawning of a, a not the age of Aquarius because that comes out. <laughs> Oh, that's what we're talking about here in a minute. No, no, no. Um, but it is this, the light is being shed on it. Um, the bad is going to flee or getting rid of, leave, and we command it to leave um, so that all the goodness that is here will be remaining while we might be a shell um, or just a frame of a tree in the body. We are still here and we are still kicking 
And I do believe the Blessed Mother um, was foretelling that this time of light where evil will be more exposed than ever um, is being exposed. And that's what we're seeing. So in some ways, we should count our blessings that it's being brought to light so that it will flee. And I think the thing worth pointing out is none of these things were truly secret. People knew. Mm. It was a matter of people that should have known better not saying something. And in all these instances, it's a matter of the light now being shined on these things and people saying, oh, I didn't know this was happening. But there were people that knew it was happening, be it in Hollywood, be it in politics, be it in the church. The people that didn't say what they should have said are as much to blame as the people that did it because this should have stopped when it first happened. Kind of like that lie of omission, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good reminder that when we encounter evil, we as Christians are called to stand against it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, there's a few more things that I want to to talk about before we get into this into this discussion. Thaddeus, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> keep this going. is a really positive discussion that, that y'all are engaging in and, and it's been uh, hey, you want to it's been going? good. It's lift it's lifted my spirits. It's taken the, the cloud off of yeah. me because um it's a No It's very it's it's very uh makes my heart very heavy to, re- With to good read reason. about the um this this news um and i guess it all it all i think father casey's homily and why it's so valuable to to listen to it if you if you didn't get a chance to catch all of it when patrick was playing it earlier in parts uh is because he does turn the mirror to himself and he and he encourages all of us to you've got to make these kind of changes in your own life you've got to root out Sin, absolutely bad habits, uh, habitual venial sins that are holding you back from uh, loving others and loving God. You've got to do that in your own life, and that's not to say it's not. He's not saying it as a as a way of sort of distracting attention from bringing you know ecclesial penalties against uh, churchmen who are responsible for covering these things up not at all but he's he's saying that's the that's the real path to renewal and also you know believing wholeheartedly in in the truths of the faith and and also in, endeavoring to um be one of those I think one of the things he says is is be one of those people who encourages reverence and a beauty in the liturgy in your parish, be somebody who supports your priests in in celebrating the liturgy properly, because the rule of prayer is the rule of faith, right? The rule, yes. the, the way we the way we pray is the way we believe. I'm I'm kind of butchering um, that old phrase yes, of. Um, and I, I'm since, since you brought it up, I now can't one remember. It's Lex Orandi, Lex. Um, how we pray is how we uh, live, but I can't remember the exact Latin term anymore, but yes. We'll get it, folks. Yes. During the break, we'll get it straight. Uh, yes. But uh, yes, the, uh, yeah, Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. Yes. Um, 
but it's the whole notion that if our prayer life is flawed, our lives are flawed. Yeah. Mm. And so... So if the liturgy is flawed, because exactly. that's the public prayer, prayer of the church, yes. the greatest prayer of the church, if that's flawed, then yes. our lives are going to be flawed. Our belief is going to be flawed. Right. And It's this, not the other way around. It's, yes. And all of this goes together. The whole notion of, you know, we have gotten away from the reverence in the liturgy. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned in Patrick's show, uh, you know, we can't really tell that we're at mass sometimes during the sign of peace when everybody's crawling over the pews to shake hands with the person next to him. And, you know, nothing wrong with the sign of peace. I'm the first one to want to uh, exchange a sign of peace. But we can't ever forget where we are when we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing holds true for the entire liturgy. How aware are we of where we are and what we're doing? Yeah. Like, don't be afraid at the end, at the conclusion of mass to remain in prayer and not turn immediately to someone who comes over to greet you and say hello to you. Be that example, that countercultural example of we're in the sanctuary and this is a place of reverence and mm, prayer and quiet. Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's talk to you outside. Right now. <laughs> and there's little ways yeah. that you can, we can be examples of, of reverence and, um, um, pillars of recognition to others that what's going on in the sanctuary and what's going on in the mass is true and is real. It is true and, and real. I apologize if I sound like a crank. No, and we want to give thanks to those priests that are bringing us the Eucharist. Um, reach out to them. If you know, see how broken hard we are. Can you imagine being in their shoes right now? So if... Uh, if you see a priest today or pastor, just just really reach out to them and re and just affirm them in in their vocation too, because God's called to this difficult time, and they're even more heartbroken than we are. So uh, we love you guys so very very much. Our hearts go out to you. We are praying with you. We are hurting with you, and we love you. And after this break, we're going to come back, and Deacon Mike and I are going to be talking about all things of the new age and where it's wrong. <laughs> and quickly, the uh, interview with Father Casey is on our website now. So... K-Y-A-R and K-I-N-F. And this is Red Sea Roundup. I am actually the host today, Pam Marvin, but I am being joined by another super-duper host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Hello, Deacon Mike, once again. Hello, and welcome back to all our listeners. Well, um, I wanted to, rightly so, point out something that we left off in the first section um, because it needs a little more time, attention, and love and care. And I want to just start with this quote from Father Larry Richards. I really like him. I'm a Twitter person. And <laughs> I, you know, it's, you can really see the heart of these priests really pouring out on Twitter today. And what Father um, Larry Richards says, and Jesus wept. 
And Father says, he weeps for the victims, and he weeps with and for us. His light is stronger than all the present darkness. Jesus, we need you. Please help us. I think it's so beautiful. Jesus is weeping with us and for us. And folks, remember, his light is stronger than the present darkness. And this darkness will reveal more darkness so that more light can come in. So we really want to pray for um, the victims and their families in a very special, endearing way. Folks, it was not okay. We are people of love, and we are people of hope, and that does not represent what it was. I think that we can't overemphasize how devastating something like this is to someone, especially if they're young, if they've been told to trust certain people, if they've been told that these people are good, and it totally changes the rest of their lives in how they interact with people, how they see people, how they form relationships. And I think the most devastating thing is that their image of Christ has forever been altered. There's nothing that we can do to fix this because that thought in the back of their mind is, yes, but the person who was supposed to love me mm-hmm. hurt me. And so I think we were going to be talking about the new age in a few minutes, but I think one of the reasons we see such a increase in people interested in this form of spirituality is because they no longer trust what they should be trusting. Right. We could equate um, even the family unit. Heaven knows that it's been under attack since uh, the inception of birth control. I'll say it because I believe it. it. You know, it's a lack of trust in people of authority in general, like you said, Deacon Mike, then start to seek otherwise because, well, they weren't a trustworthy source. This could be, you know, family of origin. It could be the government. Heaven knows that's a mess right now, too. And it, again, with the scandal in the church, there's a big, huge lack of trust. And where should we be turning? To Christ Jesus. Yes, but the sad thing is that so many people, even if they weren't personally affected by this, were affected by the outflow of this. And the thought is there's no one I can trust because the people that represent Christ in this instance weren't trustworthy. And so it snowballs, and ultimately this feeds into this modern idea that the only person I can trust is myself. Mm-hmm. And so what I cling to is any form of spirituality that is centered on me. Right. It, infl- it inflames pride in the, in the biggest sense, sin of Satan. Yes. And ultimately this is <laughs> feeding right into the plan of the evil one is mm. that if I can isolate the sheep from the shepherd, then they're fair game. And this is ultimately what this is doing. It's people no longer trust each other. They no longer come together in community. It's all about me, even in the groups, you know, that, you know, 
form in the new age. It's ultimately a continuous emphasis on the self, on self-gratification, on self-enlightening, on self-motivation. Uh, right. And, you know, as you're saying that, I, I see how it's so easy to fall into this new age thing because it's a, it is a defense mechanism. I can't be wrong. Maybe someone uh, had a very difficult childhood and was made to feel wrong and bad, which oftentimes happens. And um, just by being corrected as a child, even, and they start to to try and insulate themselves from being wrong and from pain, and start to realize that well, there's no such thing as sin. I'm not wrong. I can't be wrong. So therefore, I'm happy because I can't be wrong now. There's no sin. Well, that's the biggest lie because all we have to do is look around our culture and happiness is not the first thing you think of when you think no. of our culture. Self-gratification, maybe, right, but not which, happiness. Mm, which is a definitely a symptom of what our times, what we're living mm. in with all this, this horrible abuse. I mean, you see it everywhere. Again, I I mentioned it started coming out in Hollywood. You're seeing it in government. You're seeing it within the church. And we have to be people of hope though, folks. We um we are people of hope. And oftentimes when I'm I'm having moments like these, um I like to pray, you know, that uh, Christ will enliven every cell in my body in remembrance of every Eucharist I've ever received to 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 make it shine and be brighter, um, to love more purely, and pray for everyone that uh, has been hurt, and love them well, and love your neighbor well. You know, God puts people in your path every single day for you to love, and love is a sacrifice. Look what Jesus did. And this is the exact antidote to what's happening. Is in spite of the pain that people are feeling, both victims and people in the church right now hearing all this, and it's just pain. But the answer to pain is love, someone reaching out. And so the best thing that we can do, other than prayer, which is of course the best thing, is to love your neighbor. Reach out to the next person and show them what Christ really looks like. Absolutely. To the best of your ability. Well, as we start to, to kind of gravitate into our, our discussion, uh, this really came up as something on my heart to discuss the New Age because you you see it, and again, the New Age is nothing really new. It's just a name they've called an umbrella of different types of spiritualities that have popped up everywhere. Um, it, it's been really, I thought, very, um, very interesting, Deacon Mike, because it really names, it kind of calls things out again to what they are, the fallacies that, of beliefs that people may have um, about, you know, the lack of sin. And a, a really interesting distinction, I thought, was the, that it is the lack of uh, creator and creature. There's, that's gone away within this mindset. Well, yes, because the New Age, the emphasis is more of becoming part of a spiritual whole that I basically carve out my own niche in and belong to this 
on my own terms. Right. Rather than the notion of Christianity, which says that we are created in the image and likeness of God for a purpose other than our own, other than mm-hmm. what we decide for ourselves. And I think this is such an important distinction is if we do away with a creator, we're alone. The minute we say that I am all there is, loneliness is a subset of that by extension. Mm. And so Christianity emphasizes that we're not alone, Mm. that not only will we never be disconnected from our creator, but we should never be disconnected from each other. You know, it's really interesting because when I've contemplated what it must be like as someone who fully believes that there is no creator and that, um, you know, it's a collective consciousness idea. These are all part and parcel of the, the New Age movement or spirituality that you know it's a collective consciousness that I am in my own way, my own God. I just need to fully actualize myself um, to be God, I guess. Um, but as I've contemplated that, I started thinking, what a tremendous burden to be in charge of myself. I thought, oh, that to me, that's just the definition of insanity to think that I could fix my own self, my own self. Well, and uh, all it takes is thinking back to your teenage years and think that, you know, all the decisions that we made and thought they were brilliant back then without positive influence of parents and schools and church, we would have never realized how foolish some of these decisions were. And yet the new age basically is saying that no one should tell you whether or not those were foolish and you just follow them to their natural goal. And that can never be a wise path. Absolutely. I want to get to some of it. They have like kind of a little bit of a litmus test in part of the document. Again, we're discussing today going through Jesus Christ, the bearer of water and life. And it was um, done by the Pontifical Council for Culture and Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue. And I thought it was very interesting that they started actually giving kind of little litmus test questions. So I kind of want to go through those, Deacon, because I thought that was very fascinating. And one of the first one is, So, for instance, if you're in a situation where you may have a friend, acquaintance, family member who is just not really um, Christian, they're just kind of, you know, I'm I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual, Um, you can ask them this question. Is God a being with whom we have a relationship or something to be used or a force to be harnessed? I think that is a brilliant question because— so much of the past religions have been all about manipulating God. If I do this, God will do this. If I throw my infant down from this ziggurat, Molech will provide rain and a bountiful harvest. It's been the ATM machine version of prayer. Mm-hmm. And Christianity always emphasizes that the purpose of prayer is not to change God. Mm -mm, The purpose of prayer is to align me with his will. And so it's exactly the opposite of what the new age. So 
the new age tells us that you know we manipulate the world around us right. to suit us yeah, and, yeah exactly and christianity says no Mm-mm. we adjust ourselves to the will of god so right. we can change the world around us i really i really like the the idea of the, the different it is understanding that god is the maker of heaven and earth and when i read that sentence again is it is god a being with whom we have relationship or a force to be harnessed when it, just just think of those two things right away i mean when i see that because i personally have have keep working on a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ then develops into a relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and when I when I imagine and, and just recall these times where I've spent building that relationship I um, have come to know over the years about being deeply truly absolutely adored and loved by my creator okay and then I think about a force to be harnessed that see how that's so out there and it's a force to be harnessed and that oh that just reminds me of kind of like a little cowboy out there trying to rope a calf or something it just that sounds so tough you know it doesn't sound whereas if i go humbly and sweetly to my lord in relationship he's there to tell me you're beautiful i love you and i adore you because you are my creature and Such i think this difference. is why the family unit is so important mm. Amen. to this discussion because we learn what unconditional love is as children of parents that love us. And if we don't get that, then God makes no sense. It's so true. And so we find out that our parents will do for us what's best for us, even when we don't like it at times. And we come to realize that that's what love looks like. That if I don't get everything I ask for, that it doesn't mean my parents don't love me. And this is an important thing to remember as we get older and form our relationship with God on a personal level. That just because I don't get everything that I pray for, in no way does this mean God doesn't love me. Any less. And I have to adjust myself to the will of God. Mm, And again, this flies in the face of the new age movement. It sure does. Boy, that you just really nailed it there. I am. I love that, that idea of, um, just doing the father's will and being embraced by him. And it's not from me. I mean, again, when I think about me being the source of the goodness itself, I, I, I'm honest, I'm sorry, but I think if you're really intellectually honest, we know, that we have this um, concupiscence that, that lives within us where we have this, you know, I, I do the things in which I do not desire to do. You know, that is so, I think if you're really real and you're really honest, you have to tell yourself that's me right there and be able to give that up and give that over. And, and I do find that like in our pride, in our vanity and in our sensuality, we just lie to ourselves about that, but we need to really remember who we are in Christ. And I think this is what is so wonderful when you read Scripture and you read these passages like St. Paul saying, you know, I want to do the things I ought, but I do find myself doing the things I ought not. Yes. <laughs> and we read those and we know they're true. I don't have to have somebody tell me this is true. I see it in myself. I know 
that St. Paul is just talking about humanity. And yet when I then say that I am the self-actualization of what good is, how does that make sense with what I just read, knowing that I'm going to do the things that I shouldn't be doing, even though I don't want to? And so it is the necessity of Christianity to remind us of how great we are in the sight of God, that he has created us for greatness, but also that on our own we're not. On our own we tend to stumble and fall, and it is only through the grace of God that we can do these things. And so again, we know this to be true. You can feel it in your bones. It's written on the human heart. Yes. Yeah. And so we have to delude ourselves to truly believe some of the teachings of the New Age ideas. Yeah, another one of the questions, getting back to those litmus test questions, is the human being. Is there one universal being, or are there many individuals? Really good one. Yeah, there's just one universe. Well, no, the one <laughs> universal. Oh, look at me getting all confused. Are there many, many, are there many individuals? Human being, many individuals. Right, and this is again the reminder that we are not part of God. God is a person. We are individuals. We may be created in the image and likeness of God, but we are individuals and we are loved as individuals. We don't need to be part of a collective. We don't need to be part of the force or the tree of life and avatar or any of these spiritual ideas. We are what we are, and God loves us for ourselves. Yes. Well, you know, Deacon Mike, this next one I'm going to talk about is like really, I think, such the heart of our day and times. Um, True, it says to do, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. Do we invent truth or do we embrace it? Oh, good old relativism. You know, it's just gotten stronger and picked up speed throughout the, the, the 2000s, I think. Yes, and I, when I watch TV, I try to pick out the untruth that I constantly see, even in commercials and things. You hear yeah. things that are projected as true, true mm-hmm. when everyone in the world should know they're not. And one of the comments I heard is, you know, I love this person because they always speak their truth mm-hmm. as if there was such a thing. And yet truth, by definition, is that which is. It either is or it's not. If it is, it's true. If it's not, it's not true. It's yeah. not based on a person's opinion. It's not based on a person's feelings. It is or it is not. And this is one of the wonderful things about Catholicism. We embrace science when it's true. We embrace God because he's true. The two are never in conflict because all truth is of God and all truth. And I've mentioned this before, is for me the most fascinating statement in the entire Bible is God's response to Moses. Who should I tell them sent me? I am who am. The definition of truth is that which is. Mm. That answer is, I am the truth. I am that which is. Mm. And yet we delude ourselves that there is such a thing as my truth. My truth is nothing if it's not his truth. 
And remember, Jesus is the way, the, the tr- truth, and the life, my friends. I want to say that one more time because it's just beautiful, right? In these troubled times, everyone, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen to that. Amen. Another one of the litmus tests is prayer in regards to prayer and meditation. Are we talking to ourselves or are we talking to God? Mm. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty boring. I'd rather talk to God than myself. Well, but I think that's a challenge for us, even as Christians, even if uh, people that are not part of the New Age movement. When I pray, am I praying to God to change me, or am I praying to God to change God? Mm, God, I mm-hmm. want this. I need this. And God wants us to ask for things. It's like parents, again. Uh, Parents want their kids to ask them, even when they already know what the child wants. They love their children to come to them and say, Dad, can you do this? Or Mom, can you do that? It builds parents up. So God wants that. But I'm sure Thaddeus can tell me when his son comes to him and says, I want a Ferrari, Dad's probably going to say no. <laughs> right. I love I love here where it mentions that, you know, true get a prayer good job. <laughs> implies an attitude of conversion. Right. Exactly. So when we go to prayer and, you know, I think it, I'm just going to get personal and, and maybe you can, too, as well. But, you know, my personal prayer time is I call it my, you know, kind of a, a spiritual chiropractic motion. It's like it kind of re gets me all aligned and stand up straighter, remembering who I am, remembering what my mission for the day is to love with all my heart, with all my strength and all my mind. Um, it's remembering and reminding myself who I am because I forget who I am every day. Every day I wake up a new day and, and I can be, um, you know, like today I woke up and very much of an Eeyore, you know, <laughs> with everything that was in the news. I was like, it's so bad. Gosh, I can't believe the setback. But, you know, Miranda Molachowski and I often talk about is how back, how fast do you get back to baseline? How fast do you get to the truth of who you are? And, folks, that's what, what prayer is about, and that's taking it to Jesus, letting him remind you who you are, a beloved son or daughter of a king. Reminds me of the book of Exodus. We did a Bible study on this, and I refer to it as, oh, no, we're all going to die book because there's this <laughs> constant lament from the Israelites that, you know, oh no, we're all going to die in the desert because you took us out of Egypt. We had all these great flesh pots. We had all these wonderful things. Now you're taking us in the desert. They've been freed from slavery and we're exactly the same way. Sometimes in our prayer life, we're sitting there and we're seeing the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. It's all the things God has given us and we're focusing on the stuff we don't have, the stuff that is wrong, the things that we can't fix. And so it's a constant reminder, me included, that in my prayer life, when I get to that point, when I'm starting, I need to throw a thank you in there. Mm, I need to remind myself that I am grateful to God for everything that I have, sometimes even the challenges. Absolutely. And this is another one I like. Well, there's two of them. I'm going to say them really quick, and we can tie them kind of both together. It says, 
Are we tempted to deny sin or do we accept that there is such a thing? How often I've seen this in our culture that it's it's amazing how um, a person can talk themselves into, oh, it's really OK if I have an affair. They're duped by by Satan. That's a sin. They're they're being shrouded. Right. The other part is, um, are are we encouraged to reject or to accept suffering and death? And I think that the suffering in and of itself is such a huge part of um, our, our Catholic faith. So as we are all experiencing this suffering in the body of Christ that we are today in the church, Mother Church, whom we love so much, um, with that suffering, it can be redemptive. Let us pray for the victims. Let us pray that justice will be done throughout every far-reaching area of the church that will shake all the dead, bad leaves out of this tree. And as you're hurting, as you're in pain, my friends, please offer those prayers, those loving, sincere prayers for your priest friends and for this renewal that we're going to need to face together as a body of Christ. I think that this is one of the distinctive parts that set Christianity apart from every other form of religion or spirituality. It's the understanding that suffering serves a purpose in our lives. Serves a purpose, yeah. Suffering can be a means of grace. And the acknowledgement that, one, we're sinful, that we... And then the notion of penance that goes with this, that I owe a debt in my sinfulness. And I embrace that debt in the Mm -hmm. same way that I embrace suffering, that I accept the fact that I live in a fallen world and that the only answer to suffering in this world is to add it to the suffering of Christ, that I accept what God has given me to do and I accept that I'm flawed and that God will give me the grace to overcome this, but on his terms, not mine. And so I embrace even my shortcomings, knowing that if God wanted to fix them, he already would, uh, would have. He is using them to make me into the person that I need to be. Absolutely. At this point, I'm also reminded um, about reparation, that the Blessed Mother really said, we need to be praying. You know, she said of Fatima, pray for those who do not pray for themselves. They are part of the humankind. So we need to, to pray for those, offer reparation. For, you know, I just think, I just start with my whole family and then my community. And if everyone does that, and um, to ask for forgiveness from our Father, especially for those who aren't even aware of their own personal sin. Um, mother asks us of that and turn to her. If your heart is really broken and hurting, as many of us are, you know, I just imagine us putting our, our head on mother's lap and at her feet with her mantle, just crying and weeping to her and, and telling her, I offer these tears for the cleansing of my beloved mother church. This is one of the things that I, since we are on the Feast of Assumption that as Catholics makes so much sense to me that doesn't make sense to other people. But 
the whole notion of Mary and Catholic Christology. You know, I always say anything we say about Mary is a Christology. It tells us something about Jesus. But it's a notion of praying for the intercession of Mary, and people go, that makes no sense. I can go directly to Jesus. But there is value in speaking to someone about something, even if they're not the ones fix it. Mm. Imagine a child running to its mother with a skinned knee. It's going to do nothing. She may put a bandage on it, but the knee's still going to be skinned. But you still receive comfort. Comfort. You receive a feeling of belonging to something. So praying to Mary has always made sense to me. I am asking for her intercessions. Mm-hmm. That all will be well. Yes. Yeah, all will be well. I yeah. I believe that so much that she she is there to remind us and soothe us, and especially on this face of the assumption. See, there's no accident about that. No. She was assumed in her beauty. In this, in this day when we have such heavy hearts, cry out to her and offer her your pain. She can offer it to Jesus in reparation for the sins of the world. And she provides the, the comfort of knowing that she knows suffering. Right. She knows what it is like to suffer with someone as we are suffering with the church and with the victims of what has happened. And we offer it to Jesus in the same way his mother did at the cross. Right. And the one other thing that I think is a really good litmus test, so this one really stands out more than the others, as I've noticed personally, is is social commitment something shirked or positively sought after? So if you're if you do have someone um, that is steeped in some different type of spirituality, look at the fruits. I always say, what is the fruit of their labors? Um, what is the fruit of their labors? Is there? How do they positively impact their community, their family? Um, that's also just an amazing little litmus test there of the New Age spirituality. It's a constant reminder that it is very easy to tell if someone is working for God or against God. If it's bearing good fruit, you're working with God. If it's not bearing good fruit, you're not. And so the question is always, in your spirituality, right. how are you improving the world that we live in? Right. How are you building the kingdom of God? How are we? Get, so there's a big pruning going on. We're going to prune some of those mistruths on the New Age movement. We're going to prune all the sin out of our communities and hopefully <laughs> the best of our abilities. Speak up, people. Be a people of hope. Be a people of love. Be a people of great joy. And that is what uh, this beautiful document recommends is the best way to fight a lot of mistruths and sadness and uh, of the new age is to be a person of joy, to be a person of hope. And again, go out there and love Jesus with all your heart, with all your might and all your soul. And until next time, I'll catch you in two weeks with um, Chris. With Chris. I'll be back with Chris. LaFerre. Lafitte. Oh, see, I'm getting them. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Red Sea Roundup. Roundup.